Welcome to Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio preaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series in the book of Jeremiah called Hope in Crisis. And today we're going to listen to the second part of a message called Hope in the Mud. You know, God can meet us in the mud. Verse 8 and 9. It says, Abednelech went to the king's house and said to the king, My lord the king, these men have done evil in all that they did to Jeremiah the prophet by casting him into the cistern. He will die there of hunger, for there is no bread left in the city. Now, is he a hater? Is he humble? Or is he a double-minded? He's humble. Now, the crazy thing is, it's a foreigner that goes and gets Jeremiah out of the cistern. Okay? It's ironic. I thought this was just a bit of irony. 600 years later, he was also an Ethiopian eunuch that was one of the first non-ethnic Jews that came to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a little bit of irony? And I have to wonder, we don't know what happened to him. We know that this fellow here, Ebednelech, um, his life was spared. Jeremiah told him, your life's going to be spared because of what you did. God's going to protect you. We don't know what happened to him. Maybe he went home. Maybe he started a little church. And maybe that's how this fella, 600 years later, came to know about the truth of God. We don't know, but we do know that the guy was aware of Isaiah. That's what he was reading when, all the way later, Philip would uh, lead him to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Here's the last one. By the way, I just want to say this. It's so great to be with humble people that love hearing a message from God. Many of you love God's word. I love being in a church where people love God's word. It is so great to be in a place. Uh, My grandfather was in a church that wasn't quite that way. Okay, and I love being in a church where people say, tell me. I know it's hard for me to hear, but tell me anyways, because I want to change. I want to be who God wants me to be. That is a great church family to be in. It is such a blessing to be with humble people who love God's word. Here's the last one. Sorry, this isn't actually in the chapter. This is the story right before the chapter. This cracks me up. Turn back to uh, chapter 37, just about a couple verses. uh, Verse 16, 37, verse 16. It says, uh, when Jeremiah had come to the dungeon cells, and remained there many days. Dude had a rough time. King Zedekiah sent for him and received him. And the king questioned him secretly in his house and said, is there any word from the Lord? Stop, look at me for a sec. Stop, look up here. Is there any word from God? It's getting desperate. Is there any word from God? And I just envisioned it going like this. Jeremiah's like, there is. Zedekiah's like, really, really? There's a message from God for me right now? Yes, there is. You lose again. <laughs> again. That's what it says there. Jeremiah says, there is. Then he said to him, you shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. Ding. Do you want that again? Then look ahead, verse 14. Chapter 38, verse 14. King Zedekiah sent for Jeremiah the prophet and received him at the third entrance of the temple of the Lord. And the king said to Jeremiah, I will ask you a question. Hide nothing from me. You know, there's a third type of listener. I would say this is a miserable listener, and this is a miserable person to deal with. It's the person that says, I want a message from God, but, 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 but can you just make it different? Can you just like, can you tell God to tweak his message for me, please? This is making me uncomfortable. Oh, I don't like that one. Send for another one. God's word is like, I want it because it's the living God, I'm t- but it's like a fortune cookie. I want to keep opening it up until it tells me that I'm going to get married and make be a millionaire, okay? Just keep 
It's not what God's word is like, okay? God's word is not a fortune cookie. Listen, listen. The third type of a listener, what type of, what do we call them? Double-minded. It's the person who wants to know the truth but does not want to change. It's the person who wants different results without a different heart. You know, King Zedekiah was the ultimate in terms of turmoil. You know, the reality is that all of these false prophets had been giving him fortune cookies. Here, it's going to be well. You're going to conquer. Babylon's never going to come. Egypt's going to bail us out. Here, it's all going to be good. It's going to be happy. But there's a point at which um, fortune cookies don't fill your stomach forever. And when the armies of Babylon came marching and surrounded the city, there's a point at which um, the fortune cookies aren't working. And that's when Zedekiah's heart became a double-minded. Well, I, I guess I'm not real. Those weren't really messages from God. And I do know that Jeremiah seems to be right on here. He, everything he says is happening. But I don't really want the message. But I can't. De- I got to have a message from God. This is desperate. I'm going to die soon if this doesn't go right. But I, I am not getting. And that double-minded back and forth, that is a really difficult person to deal with. Imagine Jeremiah having dealt with him for 10 years. Notice in verse 19, it says, King Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, I am afraid. You know, I think that's something uh, we should expect uh, in people's lives. Whatever the particular reason is, often double-minded people are driven by fear. And I would tell you this, if you're a double-minded person, even just a little bit, examine your heart. It's probably not filled with faith. It's probably filled with fear. A fear that I won't be able to keep all my friends happy, people that I want to be close to, but I, but I really want God to be, I really want to have a relationship with God, but I really want, or I, I, I want to grow, but I don't really have the time to do all that work because I have some other fun things I want to do, but I, I, I got, and it's fear, fear. I won't be able to, maybe, what, what if I do this and I lose my job? What if it happens if my, my family turns on me? What if my spouse, now my spouse will be able to tell you, I told you so, I don't want to have to deal with that. I'm afraid of that. I'm, I'm afraid of whatever. I'm telling you, the word of God is for people that are bold and don't want to live for the truth. And fear is not faith. Fear is fear. And fear will take you into a double-minded pit that some never come out of. Don't let that happen. Clearly, that's what drives him. Even the message that Jeremiah gave him would stay private with Zedekiah, and he probably was still waffling backwards and forwards until the final came through in the wall, and the armies came pouring in. What did Jeremiah do? Well, it's very simple. He just kept speaking the word of God until, verse 28 says, until the day that Jerusalem was taken. How do we finish well? How do we finish well? It's by gently, firmly, and faithfully giving people God's word. It doesn't mean taking God's word like a, like a, a lead pipe and bam, over people's heads, okay? It's not nagging people. It's not, as some have done, um, gently giving somebody the book for the 50th time. Hey, I found a book you might like and like it again. And I found a different book at the bookstore. It's gently saying, hey, you know what? Your heart, things aren't going well. You're not where God wants you to be. Let me just give you a verse. God has better things for you. God has better things for you. And when we do that repeatedly, faithfully, firmly, listen, listen, God will take care of the results. God has a way of using circumstances and bringing circumstances into play that people can't control and eventually causes a crisis in their lives. 
Now, we should not be the one causing a crisis in people's lives, okay? Sometimes we want to make the crisis. Okay, well, if you want it to be that way, let me get my jackhammer out, and we can solve this in five minutes. Don't do that. Do what Jeremiah did, firmly pressing in. Here it is again. Here it is again. You want it again? Here, we'll give it to you again and again and again. And let God do, let God be the jackhammer in their lives, okay? Because God loves them. God loves them more than we do. And God wants to bring them to a good place if their hearts are willing to accept it. Let me just give a word to the wise. Exasperation comes when we take responsibility for faithfully proclaiming the word and for the results, okay? Exasperation comes when we come to the point where we're like, I'm responsible uh, to give you the message, and I'm responsible to make sure you accept the message, okay? That will lead you to a place where you get frayed. That's what happened to Moses when the one time he sinned. He got to a place where like, I'm so sick of telling these people what to do, and they don't listen anymore, and I'm so angry about that he lost his cool. And God disciplined him for that. Okay, and that happens to us, and uh, that's hard when your little three-year-old won't hear it, and your 13-year-old, and your 23-year-old, and your 33-year-old, or your husband, or your aunt, or whoever it is. Say, I want you to, you gotta, if you just, it's so easy. If you just did what God wants you to do, it'd be so much better for you. But we have to leave that in God's hands. We can't play Holy Spirit. Well, clearly being faithful uh, can lead to pain. Look at verse six. It says, so they took Jeremiah and cast him into the cistern of Melchiah, the king's son, which was in the court of the guard, letting Jeremiah down by ropes. And there was no water in the cistern, but only mud. And Jeremiah sank in the mud. Blech. How many of you have ever seen a cistern? All right, let me see. Here's a picture of the top of one. Okay, nice little opening there. But most of us wouldn't know what a cistern is like unless other than just a big hole. Let me show you what a cistern is like in the Near East. Here's what it would be like. If you can see on the right side, it's got 10 feet, 20 feet, 30 feet, 40 feet. It was something like this, where water would be put in or allowed to come in during the rainy season. And then between uh, the su our summer months, it's very dry there. So in, in the Middle East, you need to have a place to store water. So what they would do is they would open up that part at the top. They let the water come down. The water would build up during the rainy season. And then they would have some stored water for various reasons and various things. Well. You can tell, as it says here in the text, the water was gone. And if you can imagine them letting Jeremiah, who they're very happy to never have to see ever again, slide down that entryway there, down to the bottom, sunk in the mud. It's dark. Heaven knows what else is crawling around in there. I just can imagine Jeremiah at that moment thinking, all right, it's really dark. The mud is oozing over my knees now. So God, I proclaimed your word faithfully for 40 years, and this is going to be my retirement party. It's almost over, God. And this is how it ends? I think some of us have felt that way in life where it's like, God, I've kept doing exactly what you've told me to do, and now I'm going to be in the, I'm in the bottom, I'm in the mud, it's up to my knees, the muck is all over, and this is how I'm going to die, alone, in the dark, where are you, God? Where are you? Certainly he dealt with impossible people. We deal with impossible people. I think sometimes we feel the mud through hard hearts that are stone cold, through the antagonistic 
a person who's antagonistic really to the work of the Holy Spirit, but they take it out on us. Sometimes we feel the mud through repeated bailouts without change. I keep helping you get out of this, but you want it again. And I feel the mud. Or through unveiled depravity. The person that, um, yeah, they're not hiding their dislike of God in any way. It's as though they have a, hey, hey, ding dong, here's your daily delivery of mud. And it comes with a um, nice extra bunch of emotional hand grenades, which are free of charge free of charge, okay? And we feel like this showing up every day and again, and why do I have to deal with this, this mud, this muck, this ugh? God, why? Why? Well, let me give you the second principle quickly in finishing well. Here it is. We need to be dependent on and humble before God. Hi, this is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church Columbus. Did you know that these Meeting with God messages actually come from sermons given at our church home, Vertical Church Columbus? You know, in addition to hearing God's word proclaimed every week, you'll find a warm, loving church family of authentic followers of Jesus Christ. If you live in Columbus, Ohio, but are not currently connected to a church home, we'd love to invite you to visit us at 1290 Old Henderson Road in Columbus near the intersection of 315 and Henderson Road. First, dependent. We need to watch out for God's word, and God will watch out for us. It's very interesting. In Jeremiah 1, 19, 40 years before this time, it says, God had told Jeremiah, they will fight against you, but they will not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. We also need to have humility. Humility is focused on revealing the greatness and glory of God while also being aware of our own insignificance. Uh, If you like it summarized, humility is saying it's really about God, it's not about me. When we realize that it's about his kingdom, not my kingdom, it's about his glory, not my comfort, it frees us from a sense of, ugh. John 15, 20, you can read this another time. Jesus told his disciples, people are, if they hate me, they're gonna hate you. Yet at the same time, uh, Jesus Christ is described, you can write this passage down too, 1 Peter uh, 2.23. What did Jesus do when people reviled him? It says this, it says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to God who judges righteously. Well, here's the other part of the story. Not only does God, not only do we need to humble ourselves before God and be dependent, a second of all, We need to be dependent and humble on before God. He will care for his messengers. Listen, God will bring the protection we need. He will bring the supportive fellow believers around us. Listen, God never forgets us in the midst of the muddy cistern of life. He never does. And though sometimes we're tempted to be filled with self-pity and be like, why me, why me? Um, Listen, you need to let that go. God will take care of his people. God will take care of you. Joy comes when we turn our eyes toward God, toward his provision. I don't know if there was any light whatsoever, but Jeremiah, if he could look right up through the little entryway there down to the cistern, if his eyes were turned toward God, God, how I don't know how you're going to bail me out of this situation. I don't know how you're going to get me out of here, but I trust this is not where it's going to end. That was all he could think. You know, a couple weeks ago, um, I want to share a story. You're like, well, How? What am I supposed to do during that time? How am I supposed to be joyful? How am I supposed to have hope when I'm knee-deep in mud with a bunch of little critters running around with me? 
How am I supposed to be hopeful in that situation? I want to just tell you a little uh, personal testimony. A couple weeks ago, I went through an extremely, eh, very tough conversation with some people, uh, not in this church, fortunately. But I had a very tough conversation with somebody that I loved, um, but was difficult. And um, I remember walking away, it was on a Tuesday, and then um, Wednesday was my day off. And um, you ever had days where you just can't get it out of your system? And you try, I'm, I'm trying to rest right now, but I can't stop thinking about that. But I'm trying to rest right now, but I can't stop thinking about that. And it really bothered me. And I woke up on Thursday, went to uh, church, back to the office. Wednesday's my day off, so Thursday I went back to the office. And I remember I was just praying before the Lord. I said, Lord, this is so bothering me. This is really getting under my skin. And I, um, somebody texted me randomly and said, hey, thanks for the devotional. It was great. I was like, what are you talking? I have no idea what you're talking about. So they, I texted back and said, I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't written any devotionals recently. The person said, oh, no, 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 you did. I, I read it today. And I was like, well, why don't you send it to me? I, I, I guess it, it has. So the person sent it to me, and I read it. And it was ironic. It was a devotional I'd written like a year and a half before and put in Walk in the Word. They have a little devotional, and they had, I hadn't even thought about it. And apparently they decided to use it again online. Isn't it ironic how sometimes the message you give to other people hits you right in the face at an interesting time? It was this particular verse I had written on. I don't think I've ever sent it to the church. Maybe we'll send it out this week. But it was from Psalm chapter 86, which says this. It's David talking. He says, turn to me and be gracious. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me um, or those who are just difficult may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Now, I love those people. They're not haters in any sense, but here's the thing. So I just got down on my knees and I said, God, I just need a sign of your favor to get my head around what's going on. I need, to get you, I need you to get me focused on something else. And um, it was just, it so ministered to me, ironically. And then I opened up my emails. Lo and behold, God sent me something like a massive Christmas gift, just boom, right there. And um, yeah, this situation didn't go away uh, real quick. But it's interesting how when we, by faith, in the mud, say, God, um, I'm faithful. I want to depend on you. I need you to show me just a little nugget of your favor just to build my faith at this time. He will. He will. It may be strength. It may be a little text from a friend. It may be who knows what it will be. But when we're in those times and we turn to God by faith and say, God, speak to me. God, I need you to show up. Okay? I don't say that every day. But there's days when we got to say, like Jeremiah, God, you got to show up. If you're not faithful, it's not good. And God will do that. And I want to encourage you, um, if you're knee-deep in mud in relational things, and you're like, God, I don't know how much longer I can go on with this, just cry out to him by faith and say, God, would you show me a sign of your favor, okay? I'm not being a blockhead. I'm just trying to be faithful. I need you to do something that reminds me that you're here with me, that you're here in the mud with me. Listen, God was with Jeremiah as much in knee-deep mud as he was when he was proclaiming the message a couple you know, hours later in the temple. God is with us in every situation. We need to cry out to him. We need to ask him. We need to keep our eyes on him. It's very ironic that right after that, God provides, doesn't he? God had told Jeremiah, if you hold faithful, people will oppose you, but I will protect you. And what did God do? He provides someone that Jeremiah may not even have known very well to come and reach him, reach down in there, get some ropes, and gently pull him to the top. 
I love that. Here's the final principle of finishing well. Be hopeful. Be hopeful. Really? (laughs) Hope and mud don't typically go in the same paragraph, let alone the same chapter. But notice what, what Jeremiah does, even as late as verse 20. Jeremiah said to the king, you shall not be given to them if you obey. Obey now the voice of the Lord and what I say to you, and it shall be well with you, and your life shall be spared. No matter how dark a situation you're in dealing with somebody else, listen, Jeremiah could walk there and said, I'm done talking to you. I'm done. Had enough of this. I've said this to you for longer than you probably, I've been preaching since, since you were a lot longer than you've been alive. And no one's listening. Why should I say it one more time? But he said yet again, if you will listen to God, if you will listen to God, God will even at this point deliver you. What a great attitude. Some of you are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That may be Zedekiah, but you don't know some people in my life. Okay, be realistic, pastor. Come on, be realistic. If you knew the people in the hard-hearted situation or situation or hard-hearted people that I have to deal with, be realistic. You want to know something crazy awesome? The gospel is utterly unrealistic. In what universe is the God, the creator of the universe, in what religion does the God of the universe come down here, put on a human body, and die for the rebels that are running from him? The gospel is utterly unrealistic, okay? And our prayer lives should be utterly unrealistic. If our lives are inspired by the gospel and faith in a great God, we should have a sense, as Jeremiah does, that if it, this might be the one time, I don't think. <laughs> My odds are not looking good, but I'm going to say it one more time. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Gospel-saturated people live with realistic expectations while praying unrealistic prayers from unrelenting, hope-filled hearts to our all-powerful God. As you think about it, faith, hope, true love are all based on a supernatural God. Faith, hope, and true love are also unrealistic themselves. Well, does God want us to be naive? Does God want us to be like little Charlie Browns running around? You know, the, the famous one where, you know, he kicks and she pulls the ball back yet again. You know, at the end she says, I admire you, Charlie Brown. You have such faith in human nature. But if she'd add a subnote, but so naive. Okay. Does God want us to be Charlie Brown's optimistic with no chance of genuine change? Does God want us to be lovable losers where we just keep pounding and just have an un... No, God does not want that. God wants us to be hopeful, but here it is. God often uses hopeless people and hopeless results for his redemptive purposes. Okay, Jeremiah was hopeful. You can see that. But he also had perspective In the big picture, God was using the fall of Jerusalem to really bring a renaissance or a rebirth of the faith in the people of God. By disciplining them through the fall of Jerusalem, Jeremiah knew from the prophetic words that God was going to do something new, that a new day was going to come, and God was going to do what only he could do and change people's hearts. He had perspective. I think sometimes we're so afraid. What if my teen uh, fails that class? Or what if my friend keeps drinking and gets a DUI? Uh, Or what if my coworker or my fellow student rejects the message of the gospel? Well, all will end. Uh, No, all will not end. Even if the worst happens, God is still in control. God has bigger plans in place. 
We simply need to trust him. I want to end with Isaiah 55, 9 through 11. says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And I would speak that as faith and read that as faith into your heart. If you're in a difficult situation, God's word will accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. And you can remain hopeful. You can trust in him. Just to summarize, when you feel like you're oozing in mud, be faithful, be dependent and humble, be hopeful, and leave the rest in God's hands. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. Vertical Church exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission and the spirit of the Great Commandment by making disciples of Jesus Christ. If you live in Columbus and currently do not have a church home, we would love to invite you to worship with us. Our worship services meet at our church home at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Our church family is warm, loving, and would be so happy to meet you. If you currently do not have a place to worship this weekend, would you join us? As always, thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week for your Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.